Welcome to the Lakeside Baptist Church Podcast. We pray you are blessed as you hear the Word of God today. For more information regarding Lakeside Baptist Church, please visit lakeside.asn.au. To be together in the house of the Lord this morning to worship His holy name. Folk, um, it's really my, my privilege to be able to congratulate Bernie and Kerry. Why don't you guys stand up? They've been married for 50 years. We thank God for you, uh, your your example, your testimony goes before you, and we honor you this morning and thank God for you. Congratulations. That's amazing. No pressure on the rest of us. <laughs> but today we, um, we end our series in, in the book of James, and uh, I want to speak about prayer. Prayer. Uh, and prayer to be reckoned with. Not just normal prayer, because uh, we, we titled the series Approved. Uh, and uh, again, uh, you, you know, what, what James is saying is that when a potter takes uh, a pot that he's just formed and holds it up in the sun, are there rays that shine through it? Because if the rays shine through it, then obviously uh, the pot. Uh, cannot hold a substance uh, in it. And so he's saying, uh, this is the way we are to live our lives, uh, even in difficult circumstances. And as uh, we uh, live our lives, it's as if God is, is lifting up this, this pot and wants us to be approved of him. And so uh, this final passage in the book of James First in the NIV, and then I've just been adding the paraphrase um, because it makes a little bit of, of sense in more local language. James writes and he says, Is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Is any among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. The prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Elijah was a human being, even as we are. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Again he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crops. My brothers and sisters, if any one of you should wander from the truth, and someone should bring that person back, remember this. Whoever turns a sinner from the error of their way will save them from death and cover over a multitude of sins. The message says it this way. Are you hurting? Pray. Do you feel great? Sing. Are you sick? Call the church leaders together to pray and anoint you with oil in the name of the Master. 
Believing prayer will heal you, and Jesus will turn you on your feet. And if you've sinned, you'll be forgiven, healed inside and out. Make this your common practice. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you can live together whole and healed. The prayer of a person living right with God is something powerful to be reckoned with. Elijah, for instance, human just like us, prayed hard that it wouldn't rain, and it didn't. Not a drop for three and a half years. Then he prayed that it would rain, and it did. The showers came, and everything started growing again. My dear friends, if you know people who have wandered off from God's truth, don't write them off. Go after them. Get them back. And you will have rescued precious lives from destruction and prevented an epidemic of wandering away from God. Without making us feel guilty, we know that we can't pray enough, we can't give enough, and we can't serve enough. That, we all know, is a reality. But it seems like prayer is something that is dying in the church and also in our lives. We all believe in church, if I were to ask you, uh, sorry, we all believe in prayer. If I were to ask you, do you believe in prayer? You would say, absolutely, yes. But I think we do more talking about praying than we do actual praying. And prayer is something that needs to be carried out. Now, we might say that, you know, while I'm driving, I'm praying, hopefully with my eyes open, and yes, that might be true. But it's also good to attend prayer meetings. It's also good that we do certain things together. And maybe it's because we have never been taught to pray. The only thing that the disciples asked Jesus to teach them was to pray. Lord, teach us to pray. And then we read uh, the prayer that Jesus taught them in Matthew chapter 6. Sometimes we feel uncomfortable about praying around other people. But then if we do feel uncomfortable and it's okay for us to pray on our own, do we pray on our own? Do we actually do that discipline of prayer on our own? I think some are reluctant to join in corporate prayer, and that's understandable. But I think the reality is that uh, we don't do enough praying. James writes in verse 16, he says, The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. And that word prayer, the Greek word theisis, uh, that petition, that request... Uh, that supplication that we come to God for. It's got this connotation of coming to beg God. As we come and beg God, it shows the condition of our heart. And, And James is saying that condition of our heart, that prayer, that begging God, comes from a righteous person, a person that is living right before God. 
And so uh, I think what, what James is saying, when you're living right with God and you come before him, it's because his will and your will are lining up. And so I won't be praying things that are out of line with the will of God because as I'm living my life, it's running parallel with what God wants. So I won't be praying for that Ferrari or for that Porsche or for whatever, sadly. But I will be praying, praying, praying for the Harley Davidson. No, because it's not that that lines up with what God's plan and purpose is. And so he's basically saying that effective, that uh, active, that prayer that, that will make a difference is powerful as we bring that request before God. And I think if we believe in our hearts that God answers prayer, we will be doing it more. We find ourselves busy with what's going on around us, and we often find ourselves in very demanding situations. And the last thing we want to do is to pray. And if we are people of the kingdom of God, then that should be our first priority. It reminds me of of a church that had a lot of difficulties. And, uh, you know, they said, well, you know, we're not able to get an answer to this issue, so maybe we should turn to prayer. And the one person said, have we even come to that? In other words, is that our last resort that we have to pray? Well, it should be the first thing we do. When there are difficulties, we turn to God. A very a brief summary of prayer, is communication with God. And so in Communication 101, there is a sender that sends a message to the receiver. And so uh, if I were to communicate, I send a message. But if I don't get a response, then it's monologue. But communication is actually dialogue. I wait for that response. In other words, as I speak, it's like any relationship. Uh, I ask somebody, how are you? And I wait for their response. Not how you're going and I turn around and walk away. No, because I'm really interested in how you are doing. And so I wait for that response. That's effective communication. And that's what prayer is about. I bring my petitions before God, and as I do that, I wait for his response because I'm lining up with his will. In other words, it's not just talking, but it's also listening. And there is this back and forth communication. And so James writes to us, and he says that we are to pray, and he gives us certain things that we can do and when we should be praying and making that a priority. And I want to share three of them with you. The first one is pray when we feel that we're damaged. When we feel that we're damaged. And he says um, in verse 13, is any one of you in trouble? He should pray. Is anyone happy? Then let him sing songs of praise. And that word uh, trouble if anybody is going through hardship, if anybody is suffering, is that word? If anybody is afflicted or damaged. In other words, if the world is squeezing you in and it feels like you're stuck in a vice grip 
and you feel that there is nowhere out and this grip is on you, pray. If you're happy, sing. And so whatever it is that uh, God is uh, putting you in or through, there is some sort of response. Why? Because that's the situation you find yourself in. Happy, sing. Feel sad, not because you've got a tummy ache, but that to pray, he's saying. Communicate with God. Because that will help us to clarify the circumstances we find ourselves in. And so uh, David uh, was damaged because of the circumstances that he found himself in. And, and he, he writes in Psalm 31 verse 9, Have mercy on me, Lord, for I am in distress. I'm in a very tight place, he's saying. And it seems it's, it's narrow. It's, it seems like that, that vice grip is squeezed in. And I don't know which way to go. I feel damaged, is what David is praying. My sight is blurred. <laughs> so that word blurred there in the Hebrew, is, it, it seems like it's shrinked. And it seems like it's confused because of my tears, he's saying. I can't see straight. I can't see straight, God. My body and soul are withering away. David is totally honest with God. He's, he's damaged. He's weeping over his situation. He feels weak and he feels wasted in both body and in spirit. And so he cries out to God. And sometimes we say, well, I can't really cry to God about this circumstance. It's as if God doesn't know about it. He knows exactly what you're going through. He knows exactly what you and I are going through. And when we begin to bring it forth, we're actually saying, God, I come before you, and I ask you, God, that you will change the situation that I find myself in, because I feel damaged. In fact, God, I beg you to change the situation that I'm in. Because it feels like that vice grip is squeezing in on me and I have no way out. Help, please, God. God, I wish you knew what I was going through. God knows exactly what we're going through. Exactly what we're going through. So he's saying, when you feel damaged, turn to God. In fact, he hears our prayers. In Psalm 120, verse 1, we read, When I was in trouble, I called to the Lord, and he answered me. That word called, I cried out. In fact, I invited God into the situation, is what that word means. I cried out to God, and I said, God, I'm damaged. You need to get into the situation. God, I beg you, come and intervene. And if we're not happy to beg God, then we've got an attitude problem. And so he wants, God wants to minister. He wants to uh, fill us. He wants to invade our lives with his grace and his mercy. I think many, many times we go to everything else. Uh, and, and the last thing we do is turn to God. Go to different mediums. I've heard Christians going to different mediums, going to get the tarot cards read to them. Don't waste your money. <laughs> Begin to read this book. The B-I-B-L-E. That's the book for me. 
I stand alone on the word of God, the B-I-B-L-E. You started clapping, I would have sang it again. No, listen, <laughs> don't. <laughs> Scary stuff. Listen, when we begin to feel damaged and broken, what else can we do but turn to God and say, God, speak to me through your word. What else can I do? Because I'm so desperate, God. I'm down on my knees and I'm begging him and I'm inviting him in to the situation I, found, I find myself in. It's not a last resort. And friends, I know that we are to pray hardest when it's hardest to pray. But as we feel alone and just want uh, to be with other people, uh, I've put up the different times we can pray there. There they are there. Uh, it comes through the bulletin. Um, you get all the information there on prayer. It's on the third page here of the, the weekly bulletin. Those are the times we pray. Come. You never know how God can, can minister to you in a prayer meeting. Because what we're doing is we're being active in turning to God. God, come. I invite you in my situation. And I invite you to come and to intervene and to change the situation. Pray. Pray. So we pray when we're damaged. But secondly, we pray when we feel destroyed. When we feel destroyed. You know, if God has brought us to a place of brokenness, and this can often be the situation because of our sins, because of our sins, he can actually, we can actually feel destroyed. But we need to realize that God is busy doing something in our lives. And we feel God has finally broken me. There is nowhere else to go. Good place to be. Because when you're in the bottom of the valley, the only place you can go is up. And so uh, we, we read that God wants to comfort us in those difficult circumstances. Because God is far more interested in your life and in my life than allowing us to be broken that we cannot do anything else but fizzle out and die. He's more interested in breaking us to a place where we need to turn to him. Like that vessel, if it's cracked open, or God wants to destroy it and make it again so it comes out on top, so it comes out solid and good uh, to be put to good use. And you feel, well, that's quite harsh. But that's not harsh at all. It's called mercy. Because God wants to come and not just break us, but he wants to restore us. Remember in the Old Testament, Northern Kingdom goes into captivity, 722 BCE, and then 586, the Southern Kingdom. Those, are, are th those times of captivity were times of mercy where they could turn to God and reflect. You know, when kids get a time out, it's a time of reflection. And so some of those senior people write, by the rivers of Babylon in captivity, we sat down and we wept as we remember the days of Zion. We remember when God was with us and we worshipped him 
with all that we had and all that we were. And I know it's hard to turn to God when you feel destroyed, but God is after your spiritual well-being and is after my spiritual well-being. And if it means that there, is, there are issues in our lives, another word for issues is sins in our lives, he wants to sort that out. He wants to sort that out. And that's why he writes here in Chapter 5, verses 14 and 15. If any one of you is sick, you should call the elders of the church to pray over him and anoint him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the, person, the sick person well, and the Lord will raise them up. If you sinned, you'll be forgiven. There's this clear implication here that if there's an issue, to ask somebody to pray for you. I'll be standing in the corner afterwards, and I've got my little bottle of of oil, it's, there's nothing fancy about it, I'm keeping it warm in my pocket, and if anybody needs prayer, come to that corner afterwards, let's pray together, let's come and, and, and look to God to intervene, let's invite him into the situation, whether you feel damaged or destroyed, God is the one that can set us free and can, can provide the way out. You see, he wants to restore us. Proverbs 28, 13, people who cover over their sins will not prosper, but if they confess and forsake them, they will receive mercy. And the word mercy means God will, will withhold what we deserve. When we reject God, we don't deserve his favor, but he withholds what we do deserve, and that's called mercy. And to top it all up, he gives us what we don't deserve, and that is grace. Grace. And that's the true and living God we serve. Psalmist says, Psalm 32 verse 5, Finally I confessed all my sins to you and stopped trying to hide them. I said to myself, I will confess my rebellion to the Lord, and you forgave me. All my guilt is gone. As we come and say, God, I'm sick and tired of the way I'm living. There are issues in my life. Come and intervene. Proverbs 28, 14. Blessed is the man who, allows fear, who always fears the Lord, but he who hardens his heart falls into trouble. And so we all feel squeezed in at times. But if we continue in our sinful living, then God needs to deal with that. And so we come and we hand ourselves over to him. So pray when you're damaged. Pray when you feel destroyed. And thirdly, pray when you're deviating. What do I mean by deviating? When you're wandering to one side or another side when you don't have your eyes focused on God. And so James writes in chapter 5, verses 19 and 20, My brothers, if one of you should wander from the truth and someone should bring them back, remember this, whoever turns a sinner from the error of his way will save him from death and cover over a multitude of sins. That word wander means to roam away, to go astray, to be out of the way. And we're happy to let people do whatever they want 
and say each one to his own. Friends, let's be careful of that statement, each one to his own. Because when we let somebody go on their own way, it's probably, uh, and, and, and they're going astray, it's probably a sign that we don't love them. Leave them, they'll bump their head and they'll learn their lesson. Well, you know, love says, I don't want you to bump your head. Come, come back to God. Come back to Jesus. Come, how can I help you in this process? How can I pray with you? How can we invite God into the situation? Galatians chapter 6, verse 1, it says, Dear brothers and sisters, if anyone, if any, if another Christian is overcome by some sin, and that word overcome, that person is eaten up, prolamvano, that, that person is, is being consumed, that person is being chomped up, if you like, and made weak by some sin. You who are godly should gently and humbly help that person. Gently and humbly help that person back onto the right path. And be careful not to fall into the same temptation yourself. The same temptation yourself. That word temptation, pirazo, where we get the English word pyro. It means, when the, we, you know, be careful because when the fires are turned on on that person and they start feeling broken and weak and chewed up, be careful you don't fall into the same trap. Be careful. Keep your eyes on the things of God. So prayer for those who are deviating, even for ourselves, is crucial. And we live in community. That's why we call ourselves the church, called out men and women of God. Where if you see me deviating, your love for me says, Christopher, be careful. It's like a kid that's, got, that's taken their hands off the handlebars of the bicycle. And they're going, and they go, look, mom, look, dad, no hands. And in a short while, look, mom, look, dad, no teeth spiritualize that if you like. I'm just doing my own thing. I need to try it out to see what it's like. Well, friends, we don't need to get into a pigsty to see what a pigsty looks like or smells like. We can see it from a distance. And when we see somebody else going close to that pigsty and they're deviating from what is right, love for them. Because God first loved us. Love for them says, in a gentleman brother, sister, be careful. Be careful. And so, if it's for yourself, pray. If it's for somebody else, pray, is what James is saying. And the prayer of a righteous person begins to have an effect. Verses 17 and 18 uh, he, he basically tells us the power of prayer. It says Elijah was a man just like us. And we often go, well, you know, Elijah, this was a, a great prophet. And that's why I think he actually says Elijah was a person just like you and me. Just like you and me. Felt the highs, but also felt the lows. And he basically says, uh, Elijah was a man just like us. He prayed earnestly. 
He came before the Lord. He made himself prostrate before the Lord. And he begged God to intervene in his situation. Where else could he turn? The wicked Jezebel was on his case. Where else could he turn? Gets onto a boat and basically says, Lord, I'm all alone. And God says to him, no, you're not alone. (laughs) Don't presume you're all alone. You're the only spiritual one in this world. There are other spiritual people as well. And he basically restores Elijah and, and, and encourages him when he's afraid. He says, you're not alone at all. We can read that in 1 Kings 17 and 18, where you have this wicked king Ahab and his wicked wife Jezebel, who's after Elijah. And he goes and challenges the prophets of Baal. And they, uh, I think a lot of commentators call this the God contest. The God contest. And so the prophets of Baal bring the sacrifice and they pray all day uh, for fire to consume it. Nothing happens. The priests come and they pray and nothing happens. They start whipping themselves. And then Elijah comes and he prays. But before he prays, he actually takes that sacrifice and he drenches it with water on the altar. And he prays, and God intervenes and consumes the sacrifice, consumes the whole altar, and, and dries up everything around it. Why? Because Elijah invites God into the situation. Elijah begins to uh, call on the name of the Lord. I mean, he prayed for God's judgment on these people and prayed that for three and a half years it wouldn't rain and it didn't rain. And so there are some lessons to be learned from Elijah's prayer. And the first one is that, that Elijah had power in prayer even though he was just an ordinary human person like you and I. Like you and I. And it's, you know, it's not... Um, because we're perfect that God will answer our prayers, and perhaps because we're imperfect that God will not answer our prayers. No, it's because we invite God into the situation. We allow His will and our will to line up. And we go, God, reveal yourself in this situation. And God, we invite you to come into the situation. Secondly, Elijah prayed in faith and according to the will of God. And so what, what Elijah does is make sure that his life is right. And we read that quite clearly in, in 1 Kings chapter 18. And folk, uh, Spurgeon says that, that prayer is not prayer getting man's will done in heaven. It's getting God's will done on earth. Let me read that again. Spurgeon says, prayer is not pray, prayer getting man's will done in heaven, it's getting God's will done on earth. And so prayer by faith that God can actually do this is very, very powerful. But also our lives need to be right. Our lives need to be right. As we come before God and prepare our lives before him, and we pray, God, your will be done. Not my will be done. Your will be done. In other words, 
a righteous person says, God, what is your will rather than my will? I don't know about you, but when I've, or when somebody's harmed me, I pray, God, (laughs) sort them out. (laughs) Sort them out, God. What they sow, they need to reap. God, do it speedily in Jesus' name. (laughs) But when I've harmed somebody, I say, Lord, please be merciful. (laughs) I'm a nice guy. No. As I pray, I invite God into the situation, and he will convict me of my sins when I've done something wrong. And then I confess, and I repent, and that's good. Because I then put my hands back on the handlebars and say, God, you're in control. I'm not. If you look at Elijah finally, he prayed earnestly. He prayed, and then he sends a servant out. He prays for rain. He sends a servant out. How many times? Just once? No. Seven times. Goes and says to him, go. Now there's some people who believe you only pray once because if you pray a second time, then it's your lack of faith. Well, praying earnestly says pray all the time. 1 Thessalonians talks about pray without ceasing. Pray without ceasing. And so when he prayed, he didn't quit and say, this is hard work. Oh, goodness, where is God? No, he carried on praying. Why? Because your prayer and my prayer begins to affect what God is doing on this earth. When I line up with what God wants, we begin to invite him in the situation and we begin to take action in that situation. Prayer to be reckoned with. I want to read you a story. It's called Sleeping Through the Storm. The reason I want to read you the story is that when we are prepared in prayer, no matter what storm comes our way, we're prepared. Farmer was looking for a farm hand. Young man came looking for a job. And the farmer asked for his qualifications and said, I can sleep through the storm. The farmer was angry that instead of work, this man was talking about sleeping. However, he really needed help. So he hired him. A few weeks later, the farmer and his wife were awakened in the night by a violent storm. He leaped out of the bed and called for his newly hired hand, but the young man was sleeping soundly and couldn't be woken up. Frustrated and angry, the farmer determined to fire the farmhand the next day. He and his wife quickly began to check things to see if all was secure. They found that the shutters of the farmhouse had been securely fastened. The farmer and his wife then inspected their property. They found that the farm tools had been placed in the storage shed, safe from the elements. He sees that the bales of wheat have been bound and wrapped in tarpaulins. The tractor had been moved into its garage. The barn was properly locked tight. Even the animals were calm and had plenty of feed. All was well. The farmer suddenly understood the meaning of the young man's words. I can sleep through the storm. The farmhand did his work ahead of time, so he was prepared for any storm. So when the storm did actually break, he was not concerned or afraid. He could sleep in peace.
And friends, that's for you and for me. We begin to bring every situation before God. And then when we are well prepared, we can sleep through that storm, no matter what it is, because we're walking close to our master. And as we walk close, we can sing in the good times, and we can bring our prayers and our supplications before him and beg him if we have to. But then I also want to end off by just reading you a simple poem. A poem that actually moves away from only ourselves to wanting to pray for others. And it's called Traveling on My Knees. Last night, I took a journey to a land across the seas. I didn't go by ship or plane. I traveled on my knees. I saw so many people there in bondage to their sin. And Jesus told me I should go, that there were souls to win. But I said, Jesus, I can't go to lands across the seas. He answered quickly, yes, you can, by traveling on your knees. He said, you pray, you pray, I'll meet the need. You call, and I will hear. It's up to you to be concerned for lost souls far and near. And so I did, knelt in prayer, gave up some hours of ease, and with the Savior in my side, or by my side, I traveled on my knees. And as I prayed on, I saw souls saved and twisted persons healed. I saw God's workers' strength renewed while laboring in the field. I said, yes, Lord, I'll take the job. Your heart I will want to please. I'll heed your call and swiftly go by traveling on my knees. May we be found faithful in praying and inviting God in every situation, but also by praying for others, family, friends, a disastrous situation. It's not each one to his own. It's us coming before the Lord and inviting him into the situation. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word to our hearts. Thank you, Lord, that often the last resort is to come to you when it should be the first thing we do. Lord, we want to confess this morning that it's only your intervention in situations that will allow it to get better. Help us to, to see that. Reveal that to us, Lord, we pray. So we might be able to say, God intervened. To God be the glory. In Jesus' name, amen.